Welcome to But Jesus Drank Wine and other stories that kept us stuck. I'm Mead. And I'm Christy. In this podcast, we'll explore the stories that kept us, well, stuck, wanting to drink and not wanting to drink all at the same time. Join us as we show you that freedom from alcohol does not have to mean a life sentence of misery and missing out, but actually means living an authentic life full of peace, joy, and purpose. We're back. Hi, Hi. Hi, guys. Guys, we're so excited for part two of our interviews with Jolene Park. If you missed the first one, go back and definitely listen to that one because this one's going to be a little bit different. We are going to dive into Jolene's spiritual like transformation, awakening journey, all of this good stuff, um, which is how I recently re-came across Jolene. I've, I've always followed you, but got really excited when I started reading about this on your Substack. So just a really quick recap. Um, Jolene is a functional nutritionist, a health coach. She pioneered the gray area drinking kind of label and all of the good stuff that went with that. She has a great method called Nourish, where she helps people who want to regulate their nervous system in breaking free from alcohol. And she's uh, just coming up to nine years alcohol free. And so we're so excited to have you back. Thank you for joining us again. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm excited and a a little trepidatious about stepping into this (laughs) conversation because, you know, what's interesting is we, we talk and we talked about it in the other interview and it's such the top conversation was in so much coaching of a bit of that fear and hesitation of not drinking and then going into social situations and all of that. But the reality is, is like we talked about in the other conversation, most people drink in the gray area. Like it, it's, it's the majority. And mm-hmm. I'm also very aware that this conversation that we're now stepping into, the spiritual conversation, this is more the minority. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, but I, I'm ready to I'm ready to talk about this. Yay! Well, do you want to just start with where it all kind of started for you, where you start began to go on this like reawakening, or do you want to take us back a little bit further on what kind of led you before this? Or I don't know where the best place to start is, but what do you think? I think I'll quickly give a bit of my history because I think then it leads into how I kind of got where I am today. Love that. Yeah. Just really quickly, I grew up in the Protestant Presbyterian church, went to church with my family every Sunday. But I I called us, I would, you know, I'd say we were pew warmers where we Mm -hmm. would just, it was just part of what we did. You went to school, you went to church. um, And it was, it was a good experience. Like I had no kind of church hurt or trauma, which I recognize is out there. It's so legit. I really understand Mm -hmm. who have gone through through those pieces. I didn't have that, but I also, it was, we just went through the motions. Like we di- I didn't read the Bible with my family. We didn't, you know, we just went to church. We'd hear scripture being read, but that was the long and the short of it. There was nothing bad or traumatic about the experience, but there wasn't anything deeper in, into the experience. And so when I was in my twenties and in college and living on my own, I, I would describe myself, always have been, still am a seeker. And I, I wanted more. And I, I actually went to London and lived and worked there after college. And in London found, they, they called them spiritualists. So like some psychics and some energy workers. I went to some new age stores. It, it, and that was my first experience. And I was like, wow, this has had my astrology chart read. And 
I was like, well, this is cool. Like, this is a, this is the spiritual world I didn't know about. And really then for the next 30 years, from early 20s until my late 40s, 50, I, I would define myself in kind of that spiritual but not religious world and was, was really interested in it as a seeker. Um, I would read a lot of spiritual kind of new thought books. I went to a, a unity church, which was metaphysical. So they would, they would use the Bible, but they would interpret it all very metaphysically. So it was like kind of this it's Christ consciousness and it doesn't matter if Jesus walked the earth or not. It's, it's what he represents and he's just a master teacher and, and, did yoga practices that were spiritual. So it was this whole, I was never rejecting spirituality. I, I never considered myself an atheist or even agnostic. I'm like, I'm spiritual. I wanted more. I wanted to go deeper. I wanted, but, um, but I wasn't also drawn to real like legalistic churches. Like I was aware of, of that type of church. And I was like, well, I don't want that. The church I grew up in was just kind of bland, you know, but it, it didn't kind of do thing. It was very neutral for me. Um, and, but, but then the spiritual is like, Oh, this just, there's so much here. And so that's my history with things in my late thirties. Also, right. When I was really at the peak of my drinking, I walked away from everything spiritual. I had a really bad yoga, um, experience. I wrote about it in my Substack, And so I walked away from it all. I rolled up my yoga mat, which I was really associating. That was my spiritual life. Um, I wasn't going to any kind of church, hadn't gone for a, you know quite a while to a traditional church that was years ago, or even a metaphysical church. And because of that yoga experience, it was just such a bad taste in my mouth. I'm like, I'm, I'm done. I'm just nothing spiritual, nothing energetic. I'm walking away from it all. And I did. And I also drank the most during that time. And I didn't kind of put those pieces together until I look back now. But that was also, I feel like that was a part of, I was very spiritually disconnected. I had no anchor and I was drinking with a vengeance. And it was, I was like, this is what people do. I just like, why am I so, it's, there was an exhausting kind of going through this, you know, doing all the practices. And I'm like, I'm just going to live. I'm just going to drink and go out with my friends. It's what people do. Like, and so I did it. <laughs> and then I quit drinking in, when I was 43 and so that was 2014. And I feel, I think it was 2000, I'm trying to think here. I think it was 2017. So it was still a couple of years into not drinking. I, spiritual, it just wasn't, they're just, it was completely void in my life. But I had, it just dawned on me about England. You know, my, I had such great experiences of England 20 years earlier and had gone to cathedrals and church services and, and really liked it. And when I stopped drinking, I said, I'm going to go back to England now every every year because I don't have kids. I'm not paying for soccer uniforms and, and schools. And so why am I not going to England once a year? I'm not spending money on alcohol. I, I'm going to do it. And so I went to England and started going back to the cathedrals and would go to some services. I was just drawn to that old tradition and liked it. And when I came back to Denver, I was like, oh, well, there's, you know, there's the Episcopal Cathedral. Like, this is like the Church of England. I'm going to go here. And that was 20, yeah, 17. And I remember just kind of weeping, you know, the first service I went into. And I was like, oh, this has just been missing. And no one was more surprised than myself that I would come back to a traditional um, church. And then 
I went to, there was a, a Celtic service in that um, evenings on Sunday. So I didn't even go to the traditional service. I'd go to the more Celtic kind of mystical service. And so it was a slow, real process of kind of that bridge of some of the new thought, spiritual stuff to nothing, to some of the mystical, but now I'm in a church. And then when I moved to Charleston, found, you know, similar, like I go to the, it's the oldest church here in Charleston was founded from the Church of England in the 1600s and, and just wept hearing like the old hymns, like the mighty fortress and be thou my vision. And it just, it's like, there's this cellular knowing for me. And I also recognize that so many people have rejected, you know, this is what I'm saying, stepping into this conversation. I think it's much easier to talk about not drinking than to talk about going back to a traditional church. And I'm so aware of the whole time, you know, the years of, of, you know, we'd read the memoirs and and so many people who had come from kind of traditional churches and left and wrote about it and speak out about it and and coming away from it. And I felt like I'm swimming the other way on the stream, which is a real minority. Like there's not a lot of people going this way, coming from spiritual religious, going back to traditional Christianity. But it's fed me and it's nourished me. You know, and I would I would go and I would initially tell my friends, I'm like, but I'm not a Bible thumper, you know, I'm not, but it but it's it's just so feeding me in a way that so surprised me because I had associated church with kind of that. I was like, I don't, it's simple-minded. Like it's it, like it's just this tall tale. As like you read the Bible, and as it's it's been a very slow process over the last couple of years, but no one's more surprised than me at this stage and age in my life that I've come back to this this traditional place. And I feel, I think more, I just feel better than I ever have in my life. I love that. Yeah. I love that so much. Tell us about reading the Bible cover to cover for the first time and what that was like. Well, so, you know, another thread through this whole process is no one evangelized to me. Um, no one, like, I feel like some of the language of accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and the walk with Jesus or that, to me, that language feels just like the language of I'm an alcoholic or recovery or it's disease, like that language we reject as gray area drinkers, that language still doesn't set with me. And so if anyone during this process would have said, you need to accept Jesus, like it's still, it doesn't, it, it, it's, I don't know, it doesn't um, kind of set right with me. I get but that. what happened was I was yeah. having tea with a friend like two years ago here in Charleston. And she said, oh yeah, I was reading, I'm reading through the Bible right now. And I was, I'm in Samuel and I, my head like spun around. And I'm like, you read the Bible? And, and I, I had met her from church. Like we were going to church together for a couple months, but I was so, I'm like, wait a minute, you, I don't, I don't understand. Like it just seems, it's like my grandma read the Bible. Like, how do you get any <laughs> nourishment out of this? It just, I'm like, what do you mean you read the Bible? And so then she told me about like reading through it in a year. And so I didn't even, I was so intrigued. And I started kind of researching that there's these, you read through the Bible chronologically in a year. And I told one of my good friends who's gone to church all of her life, she said, oh, well, you should check out the Bible recap. By Tara Lee Cobble. And it's just been like the best. I've written about it on Substack. It's just been the best thing 
um, like sitting down and just trying to read the Bible on my own, I wouldn't get, when I listen to Tara Lee recap it on her podcast, I'm like, this is so, I didn't get this. This is so fascinating. Mm-hmm. And reading the whole arc of the story and then going to Israel this summer and seeing these places, it's like, oh, this isn't a tall tale. Like I've been deconstructing a lot of, it's just a myth and it doesn't really, Jesus probably didn't even exist. Like I had learned that over 30 years. And then you read it and it's like, this is better than any reality TV. I mean, the old mm-hmm. Testament. <laughs> and again, no one said, told me, you know, like you have to read the Bible. Yes. Once I, I like I was interested I was like, I want to know the story. I've heard scriptures re- read through church for 50 years, but I don't know the whole story. And I just, like, I can't get enough of it. It's just so interesting um, to really understand and then actually see the places when I went to Israel and it just all comes together. Oh my gosh, there's so much I can relate to in your story, Jolene, with kind of that thinking about the motivation almost in a sense behind like picking up the Bible where for me and my, my story is similar ish and growing up in the church, but it not really, you know, doing anything for me. Like, I I don't, I I mean, we went, that's what we did, but almost it it was a, this is, this is just what we do. Almost similar to the drinking, you know, but it's just what we all do. And without ever really stopping to question, like, why, why am I doing this? And what is, what is the purpose behind this? But the way that you say, like reading the Bible and how, because that's been my experience. I, I, I cannot get enough of reading the Bible now. Whereas it used to be something I did because I should do. It's, it's something that if I'm, I claim Christian status, I know about Jesus. I know about God. I know about Jesus. You know, that language of accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior of your heart, you know, Lord and Savior of your life, all of that, like that used to be something that, um, made me uncomfortable, but there's a difference now. And I mean, it's really, I, I think the difference between living with the Holy Spirit and not, right? And knowing from our heads versus knowing literally in our hearts and being inhabited in our hearts by by the Spirit. But I think that's the piece that until you know, like it's not, like I didn't know that I wasn't doing Christian right, not that there's a wrong or right way. Like I didn't know there was so much more, but that seeking is is such a big part of that and and sometimes seeking and ending up in the places that don't end up ultimately feeding us like alcohol or new age spiritual stuff because i for sure you know went down the self-help kind of world for a while too and then being able to come back and 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 have this experience where it's like no this is this is it and i can't get enough of this and this is sustainable this will last you know not unlike the drinking and the new age or spiritual. So, and then relating to the, to the Israel, being able to go to Israel and then lock these places and having that still show up now in a way that's so different than, than before. That was never, that was never on my bucket list to go to Israel. I don't, I don't that like 10 years ago, would that have been on your bucket list? I, it would have been like Greek Isles or, you know, South of France, like fancy, but Israel, no. Yeah. Same. Same. Because I I really, people will talk about deconstructing their Christian faith. I've been deconstructing my spiritual but not religious beliefs. Mm-hmm. I really learned that it doesn't matter if Jesus walked the earth or not. He's just a master teacher. And it wasn't until I got to Israel, like we're on the pilgrimage, on the trip, and 
And my minister said, well, wait till we go, you know, next week we're going to go. You'll be able to stick your hand in the hole where the cross went in the ground. And I'm like, what? What? <laughs> and then it's like, oh, come on. Like, how do we know they didn't just kind of stick a flag and say, here's the tourist. But the the carbon dating, the archaeology, like the crusaders through the history, the oral, like they know, they know this spot and how it's been the history is pretty undeniable when you and then the other thing that well, there's a lot that has been part of this journey for me of elisa childers i think i'm saying her name right she wrote another gospel and that book was really powerful for me i mean she talks about like the evidence the hard evidence and there's a couple of people who have written i mean they were like police detectives who started kind of investigating christianity and like i didn't realize that there's actually hard solid evidence. And then when you go to Israel and it's like, I stuck my hand in the hole where the, not holy, I can never say the name of the church. I mean, how do you say it? Holy sepulcher. Now I can't, now I'm afraid to say it. Like, yeah, sepulcher, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so seeing the history and it, it's like, oh, this is real. And I'm still think I'm like deconstructing that a bit uh, because I was really indoctrinated that it was that it didn't matter if it was real it's just a myth and and, but we learned the message from the myth and so other pieces that helped me was i did a c.s lewis so c.s lewis i i just i knew c.s lewis wrote the narnia chronicles Mm -hmm. but i didn't realize all the other books and that c.s lewis himself was was a hard atheist at Mm -hmm. oxford a real real intellectual like i didn't know that story about him and then so I have one of my ministers here is a huge C.S. Lewis expert and teaches about him. And when I first came here, he, I listened to one of his series on the Screwtape Letters, which I'd never heard of, never heard of that book until two years ago. And listening to that class on the Screwtape Letters was really impactful to me of what's how C.S. Lewis, you know, wrote. And then I, I did a C.S. Lewis Fellows program. So it wasn't necessarily C.S. Lewis books. I mean, some were C.S. Lewis books, but it was a really well curated program of just month to month. It was like a, such a good foundational primer for me of looking at um, prayer and the Holy Spirit and mercy and grace. Like I didn't understand, and I know people have the trauma and the hurt, and it, it is so legitimate. Like I'm not denying it at all. I, it's you know it's awful what some people have gone through with with the church. But, I, but kind of that fire and brimstone, you know, purity thing. I didn't know the, the mercy and the grace, but I didn't know it until I read the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's like really learning some of these foundational pieces. And again, no one said, do this, mm-hmm. or you need to be saved, or you need to, it's just on my own reading and study and exploration, this world of like Oxford academics who are really strong Christians, like they're very smart intellect. I didn't know there was this whole intellectual world that that it's like studied the history of, of it. And that and that was, I needed that. I needed that intellectual Christian world because I did, I had that association with kind of the legalistic, bubblegummy surface. Same. Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, 
yeah. So, so all of that. And again, I, it's so, it's so interesting how it all dropped in perfectly <laughs> when mm-hmm. I needed it. And it, I'm still in the process. I'm still learning. I'm still, it's not like I was struck by a bolt of lightning, but the more I read, the more I am involved, the more I, I want. And I, one thing I think is ironic is I would, I came from kind of that like, mystery schools, you know, find the mystery schools, the spiritual mysticism. And I'm like, but the thing that we turn, we completely turn away from and haven't even read, there's so much in that, which is the Bible. Mm-hmm. You don't know it until you read it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if there's any mystery or anything that's been hidden, because I know it, there's always, you know, it's like, what's been hidden? What are the hidden secrets and stuff that's been kept from women? And it's the Bible. Mm-hmm. Is the irony to, to me. Oh, it's so cool. And I think about how not coincidental it is that this happened after you found freedom from alcohol mm-hmm. because that is, and because that was the same for me. I mean, I, I claim Christian status. I mean, I was confirmed at 13 in the Episcopal church. Like I was giving my life, you know, for like, and taking Jesus into my heart. Like I was doing all of that. I, I thought but I was missing that relationship piece because my idea of God was more authoritative um, and authority without the loving kindness part, right? And so so I kind of resisted that for a little while and well, for a long while, and then came back around after finding freedom from alcohol. And I, and I think it's not coincidental that this is, it's it's almost like, and maybe I don't know if you can you would say this or or not, but it's like I had to kind of I had to do it my way. Like it wouldn't it couldn't have been all the people telling me this is how to do it. And I had people in my life that were like, this is how you need to do it and like do this. And I almost needed to do it my own way and make the mistakes and figure out why the new age, the other the self-help wasn't the way so I could have that kind of concrete proof as to like this is not what is going to sustain me to come back around and then now free from alcohol wide awake fully alert completely in the here and the now in the present no longer kind of keeping things just bubbling underneath the surface and allowing myself to really ask those hard questions get curious about like what do I believe and why do I believe it so if I if I don't feel that relationship why don't i have a relationship with jesus do i feel like it's not possible is it still just abstract to me is it is it just still this head knowledge and how do i get that is there something more it's like the curiosity that's one of the things that i find most surprising about finding freedom from alcohol is how curious i am now and how open i am to looking at all the things and being okay with whatever answer comes and how often that answer points me right to jesus every every single time and so I love thinking about how your journey, not coincidentally, maybe was the same kind of uh, awakening in a sense that happens after we find freedom from alcohol. I, there's so many similarities with it because just like alcohol, how we how we all have those associations of those extreme stereotypes, and we're like, well, and and the language of well, that's not me. I'm not. I'm not that person. Yes. It's the same with there's Christian language mm-hmm. that uh, still, you know, like. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm in. Like I'm with God, and there's this language where it's like that doesn't it because I do have negative associations around it. But then, just like with alcohol, there's this whole other world I didn't even realize. 
Mm-hmm. And as I pieced it together around, it's about the physiology, it's about the brain, it's about the, which helped me so much and has helped others so much. And then I've found the same thing with this conversation of, there's this whole other world I didn't realize. Like I really, I, there were so many people that I've learned about in two years. I, I had no idea. I'm like, how did I get to 50 years old? And, and not like, I respect these authors and these, um, like, you know, Dietrich Bonhoeffer and Elizabeth Elliot and um, is it Amy Carmichael, you know, all of their stories. And then, you know, the, these newer authors, like I mentioned, Elisa, I think it's Chil- Childers, if I'm saying her name right. I'm trying to think, it's like there's so many, and now I'm trying to, like, tip on my tongue. Who? Oh, I think Paul Miller is one. No, where's my book? He's written, hold on, I'm going to lift up my screen. It's right here. Donald Whit- um, Whitney, do you guys know him? Uh-uh. He's written um, The Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. Like, I just love his book, and I think he's also the author of reading through or praying through the scriptures, and he talks about praying through the, the Psalms. And like, I'm just like, this is incredible. Like, this is such interesting, useful, because I'm all about the practical. And, mm-hmm. and so, you know, being introduced to, to all, I, I'm like, who are these people? How did I get to this point, not know them? And then honestly, hearing from other spiritual, but not religious people, they're all over YouTube right now. And who've been in the wellness space, who have been in the spiritual space, and I don't know, something cracked, like something cracked in 2013 with alcohol. I feel like something's cracking here. And if you just, you know, go to YouTube and put in like new age to Jesus or spiritual to hearing them and hearing, because it's like, oh yeah, that's exactly my experience. Like that's what I was into and read and studied. And all of a sudden they're reading the Bible. And I remember like, it, it's not like you first hear it. Cause at first when I hear, I'm like, Oh, these people are nuts. Like they like they just yes. went off, like what happened to this person? <laughs> but yeah. it's like with alcohol, it's something you hear the sober curious conversation and, and you kinda you kinda keep you keep it on the perimeter. Mm-hmm. You listen again, even though you're like, I don't this is I can't do forever. And like I remember one of the first I was following somebody on Instagram and all of a sudden they went you know, they were they were like me with their beliefs and started talking and still today I'm like were they like kidding? Were they doing this for traffic? Did they like have a psychotic break? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what just happened? Like, I think they just went crazy. So I get it. I can get how people like listen yes. to me right now and be like, what just happened to Jolene? Yes. <laughs> but you keep listening and reading on my own. It was my, just like we do with alcohol. We keep listening to the podcast quietly, silently, taking it in. And then just doing my own, I mean, Tara Lee Cobble was just an amazing healthy discovery. I just love how she takes you through the Bible of what God is doing, not in a fire and brimstone way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and There's no way to know that except actually going through the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, and slowly, it's just been this little slow kind of, this is where where I am. Yeah, and it I love really that. Right here. Oh, I love it so much. I just, I keep... I keep remembering something that I read this week about just, you know, you can know the scriptures, but in order to know the scriptures, you have to know the author, right? And I think the way that we all kind of originally approached, you know, the church and Christianity, it was, it was like knowing the scriptures, but it wasn't really knowing who was behind that. And so that is what I think actually cracking open the Bible and reading it for yourself 
does, right? Because I won't get into my whole thing, but I was very much raised in a fire and brimstone church and didn't realize, and I'm not going to say the name of it because it's very famous, but you know, I didn't realize what mercy and grace was in, in, until so much until I started my own even alcohol free journey. And I wrote down what you said, Jolene. I love, I love the phrase cellular knowing. Me, do you always say experiential knowledge? I feel like it's a yes. different way of saying that. And I love it so much, but I didn't have the cellular knowing that Jesus was mercy and grace until I stumbled across Second Corinthians 12, 9, his power is made perfect in my weakness in, in the moment that I felt the most weak and the most broken by alcohol. And that is when the cellular knowing happened, right? Because I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. Surrender. This is what it is. I, I'm mm -hmm. feeling, I'm feeling the most powerful that I've ever felt. And I'm in the most broken place. And that's yeah. because I've got Jesus. Yeah. And, and, stories are always so powerful to me. So, of course, like I knew of Paul, that there's this guy named Paul in the Bible, but I had no idea of his story. None. Yeah. Until yeah. Years ago. Like, I didn't know his conversion story. And there's a really good on Amazon Prime. I think I linked it in one of my Substack story, like as a resource. But it's just, it's like a little over an hour. And it's the story. I think it's pretty well done. It's the story of Paul. And I'm like, this is the coolest story ever. I, I mean, I, I didn't know. How did I get to 50 years old? And I like didn't know Paul's story. And one of the, um, we would, in my C.S. Lewis study, we would um, like watch, it would have movies to, you know, watch and articles. And like, it just, again, it wasn't just C.S. Lewis. And one of the movies was Les Miserables. I'm saying that right? Mm -hmm. In the Mercy and Grace. And I had seen that play on Broadway years ago, but I didn't get it. I, I couldn't follow the storyline. And I watched the movie and I'm just like, this just encapsulates. I mean, again, what you're talking about, Christy, of the mercy and the grace, like when you really understand that and start to hear other people write about it and learn the stories, it's, I didn't know. I, I didn't know. I, I knew, I know the trauma of a fire and brimstone associated God, but I didn't know that other God that's in the Bible. I mean, the old, mm -hmm. I love the Old Testament. I, I remember people would be like, oh, geez, just wait till you get to Leviticus and Deuteronomy. Like, it's just all over. You just quit. I loved it. <laughs> the story is, it's better than reality TV. It's with these people in the old. And so I, that's interesting to me of how we get into like this purity culture and this we have to do. And it's like, no one in the Old Testament mm -hmm, is mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. It's just a hot mess. And like, it's like, oh, it makes so much sense. Like our world makes so much sense when I read the Old Testament. All of that stuff, it's so interesting, right? All of the laws and the legalism was was man-made, right? Like those were the Pharisees and, and they were the ones coming and adding all the extra rules to the Ten Commandments, right? And so, and but those are what we are taught is what's going to keep us on the straight and narrow and keep us doing the right thing. And that's not even... It's only by grace, right? Through faith. And But even yeah. even the church is mm -hmm. man today. Yeah. You know, there's not they they are so legitimate. Again, I don't want to deny any of it. But it's man, it's man, humans mm -hmm. that are it's yeah, it's not not God. Yeah. It's it, yeah, I I think about like it's his people, right? Like we talked about like it's the stories, it's the people that we connected to that made it 
real for us in a sense versus it's like that that cellular knowing that experiential knowledge or the somatic that we you know talk about and you have you know do a lot of work with jolene but until and kurt thompson you know one of my favorite teachers always always says this but like until we can feel it's like faith for the first part of my life was like one plus one equals two like it makes sense and so yeah i'm a christian and y'all say the things that you know like whatever but until you can feel deep in your chest what mercy and grace feels like, what what love, true unconditional love, like not having to show up and do or or be a certain way or you know succeed or achieve or you know all those like unconditional love, until you can feel that deep in your chest, it doesn't feel real. And it's whether we experience it through, you know. God's people who he like gives to us to help us point us back to Jesus or through, I mean, just, I mean, a number of ways we can get to it, but until we feel that it's just not made real. And I think that was something that I didn't, I didn't understand. Um, and it sounds like you can relate to. And I also was thinking about how, uh, when you were saying like, I'm not a, it's like how we do with, you know, I'm not a anti-alcohol evangelist, y'all. Like, so like, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not here to preach about don't drink alcohol. I mean, I did the same thing after finding freedom from alcohol and then stepping into this place of like, like real relationship with Jesus where I'm like, I want to share it with people. And all of a sudden I am talking about it in a new way, but also, you know, thinking in my head, like, hey, maybe people are saying like, oh, there goes me. She quit drinking and she's found Jesus. So, you know, like <laughs> some of those, that language and those fears that we have about being labeled as the crazy person for all of a sudden, you know, like all of that, how that can keep us from experiencing what is just, uh, you know, and thank God it hasn't kept us from experiencing the abundance of of walking with Jesus. But yeah, it's it's so relatable. And I think this conversation is relatable to a lot of folks too. Yeah, I feel it with tears. I'm not a crier for the most part. And pretty much every service I sit in with the old hymns, with the 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 message, mm-hmm. um, which is just telling a story in the Bible, I pretty much cry every service. And that's mm-hmm. like to me, that's the Holy Spirit's moving through through my cells. And, mm-hmm. and I just find the story, like, I love the story of Jesus in the boat with the disciples. And so in June, I was on the boat in the Sea of Galilee. It's like, it really exists. Like, there's really this, I think that's what keeps blowing my mind, that it's just not some far off fairy tale. Mm-hmm. And just that story of like, you know, going back to the anxiety and, and alcohol and all of the things, trying to shoulder through and, and do it. And I mean, in that story, it's there's that storm. So the storm of life and the disciples are being thrown here and like, understandably so, I would be freaking out as well. And Jesus is in the boat sleeping. And there's a picture, Rembrandt. I, Rembrandt was, you know, he did a lot of sacred paintings. And I really love the picture that Rembrandt painted of this scene. And Jesus is in the boat and he's like, I'm right here. Mm-hmm. I've always been right here. And it's like mm-hmm. stuff like that just gives me, because Again, even some of that, like a relationship with Jesus is like, what does that mean? But it's like the story, it's like, oh, that's what, he's in this boat with me. Whatever storm mm-hmm. I'm going through, whatever, like that just really, it means something. And it, it 
brings tears of like, he's always been right here. Even when I was thrashing around with alcohol and winding down this spiritual spiral over the years, he was always right there with me. And I just, I, all of the stories, they're just so relatable. And so they apply so much to today. Yeah. So true. And the, and the, I, I, I always, this was a big awake. I'm like, of course, that's what it is. He was always with me. He has always been with me. The only thing that kept me from being able to feel that, to access that was me. It's not that he wasn't there. It's that I, and I love how Kurt Thompson, as he talks about this too. It's like, God doesn't come as this angry, like dictator that we have in our heads of like, you know, we're afraid. Like it, it's, he's not going to force his way into our lives. He's there. It's up to us to open to, you know, relationship with him. And and what does that love? I'm like, what? I don't even understand what that means. Like what exactly. is a right relationship with God? Like, I don't get that. But yeah. now that I have it, I know exactly what it is, but it is hard to at- articulate. And it does absolutely lead me to tears more times than not in situations where I am, yeah, you know, experiencing the the presence, the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Um, and, it's, and it is hard to, it, but that's our mind wanting to go to, like, I have to make sense of this. And, and that's what's kind of cool about it too, is, is there's really no way to actually make sense of it in a, in a way. Well, and that's some of my passion around this right now, because I've, just like alcohol, I've quietly been here for two years and now just starting to speak because that's what I have to do. I have to let it kind of germinate for myself before I feel confident to speak. But just like alcohol, I feel like there were these missing pieces that if that could have been there for me. And what I mean by missing pieces, like I remember when I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this, read the Bible through in a year. Like I want to know the whole arc of the, I want to learn the story. And then I think my friend even said, she's like, well, I would recommend getting this version. I'm like, wait a minute, there's a different version of the Bible. Like I didn't know that there's, Mm -hmm. and then I'm like, well, how do you choose? And that there's different denominations in the Protestant church. And I don't know sometimes that people realize like, you know, under the Christian church, there's the Roman Catholic, but then all the Protestant denominations. And and then even my friend sent me a thing of like, okay, so there's so many books that are in the Bible that are history, so many that are poetry, so many. And I'm like, I don't really remember learning Who that. Knew? Like yeah. that, that was really helpful. She sent this to me. And, so I just feel, and then even just the basics without dogma, without kind of one denomination or, or church, but just like these fundamentals of, of mercy. And it's not attached to, I'm doing like air quote church, but just learning that it's like, that's missing. Because again, when you hear like a relationship with Jesus and it's like saying, I'm, you know, I'm an alcoholic. It's like, what is that now? What do you do? Mm-hmm. And the language, I think, just gets really vague and ambiguous and convoluted, and or like even you know sharing the gospel. What what are what are the god? And so just that the like basics is going back to the foundations, like what I do with the physiology. You go back to the basics, and then you decide. Then you have the somatic experience. Here's some of the basics. You get to decide. You run it through your nervous system, but you have to have something actually run through your nervous system, mm-hmm. and. We need to get more practical, I think. And you've mentioned Kurt Thompson. I'm sure you've mentioned him before. On <laughs> your- <laughs> Once or twice. 
Oh my uh, gosh. So he's another one in this. I, 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 there's like, there's got to be at least 50 people in two years who I never knew were out there. And they are such amazing people. And Kurt Thompson's one of them. I heard him speak about a year ago in Charleston. It was like, hands down one of the best keynote speak, speakers mm-hmm. I've ever heard in my life. I mean, mm-hmm. he combines the real practical, not preachy, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. fear type stuff, but such a solid, calm, grounded relationship yes. yeah. with neuroscience. And I yes. and I had said that I'm like, I, I want to combine like this neuroscience with this Christian spiritual. Does anybody do that? And then here I landed in a Kurt Thompson <laughs> lecture. So for those listening, if you've heard me talk about it, like go listen to Kurt Thompson. Yes. He is the epitome of putting together if you have that stereotype, which, and I even have components of it, of like how you put this in like a rational, practical, but really rich Christian spiritual way. Kurt Thompson just speaks so well. I, I mean, I go on Spotify and just put his name in Spotify. He's been interviewed so many times. I, he's one of my favorites. Absolutely. Hands down, I agree with you. And it's funny how he came to me and it's like, I, it's, it's really neat to see. But when I was first starting to look at my relationship to alcohol, I was into the Enneagram at the time. And so I, well, I hadn't even really started my exploring my relationship to alcohol. I was still like, I don't know. And I was listening to this podcast called Typology. And I, and so then I found freedom from alcohol. And then I, you know, start out into coaches training. And then I'm like, well, I'm not going to be working with Christian women. And so I came across Kurt Thompson's podcast interview on typology and he was talking about soul of shame. And I'm like, I love that he's bringing in this like, like how does the biblical narrative fit with science? And oh wait, they don't have to be separate. And I love that. Oh, but I'm not gonna be working with Christian women. So let me just put that aside. Well, I wasn't quite ready to do the work that I needed to do from like my soul standpoint. Um, but then when my pastor mentioned his hearing this podcast on typology and this guy and you know, whatever, I listened to that same episode again, realizing it was, you know, and this was like a year later. And I'm like, and it undid me in a way that was different than when I was looking at it through the lens of like professional coaching and how it would help me with that when I was looking at it through this personal lens. And I'm going, oh my gosh, there's so much to what he's saying there. And and then I started devouring his books and went, you know, I've been to his conferences and work with his professional communities and and he's, he's lovely and he does, he ties that together because that was one of my big questions. Like, how can these two things exist? I can be in the psychology world, the psychology I love and I get, and I can use that in my coaching and it makes sense, but there always felt like there was just something missing from that. So for me, it was this journey too of realizing that what I thought was my missing piece, finding freedom from alcohol. There's my missing P-E-A-C-E. No, that was like, the beginning of that next journey of really leading to the true missing piece was which was that i mean all of this is blanketed by god of course it is and and science is you know just a side part but being able to see how it fits together is like yes this is where my body feels this is truth this is real this is and it's such a it's such a breath of fresh air totally agree and He's such a embodied example of what I'm talking about. Of there's there was this world out there that I didn't know existed, and yes. I would say if you know somebody is listening, saying what are you what are you guys really talking about, and what you know what does all this really mean? I would say go listen to Kurt Thompson. He's such a great example 
of just putting the pieces together in a really practical way, in a way that I'd never heard before, that isn't kind of the stereotypical Christian, although he is such a Christian. Yeah. Um, well worth listening to. Okay. Yeah. Agree. I was just going to ask, like, what if, you know, somebody's listening and they're wondering, like, okay, what would be the first thing to pick up? Uh, apart from Kurt Thompson, is there any any others that I mean, I know you mentioned a bunch. It's hard to narrow it down, I know. But like for the person that's hearing all of this for the first time and thinking and been, maybe been to church their whole life, like the three of us, right, in the, in the early years and now is like, oh, gosh, OK, maybe it is time to explore what what who Jesus really is and what what he's about. What would you say are your f- top tips? <laughs> I can't emphasize enough, and this is another thing I didn't understand, is like, you know, the living word and reading God's word. Again, that's more of that language. It's like, come on, like, what does that really mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I get it, and and I just can't emphasize, I get it now after, you know, reading is Terry Cobble's podcast, The Bible Recap. Of mm-hmm. really, you know, there's people who write about the arc of the Bible and the stories and all that, but I would just say... Terry Cobble, because she recaps like three chapters or so every day in five to eight minutes. And you really, it's like, what a really interesting story. Like you really start to get the whole story. So I, I would say the Bible recap is like my number one thing, wherever you are. Like if you've been to church, coming back, if you've been more kind of the spiritual, but not religious, and you're just curious, I would, the Bible recap is, is really the first place that I would start. And then um, it kind of depends, you know, if, if you're coming at like my story out of that spiritual, but not religious kind of new thought world, Elisa Childers, Doreen Virtue is another good one to look on, um, on YouTube. She's got, you know, a lot of great interviews and, and things, but if you're, if it's, you know, if, if that's not your story of that spiritual to religious thing, C.S. Lewis has really surprised me. So, and and just his work and his, you know, the connections around around him and like, so he was really good friends with J.R.R. Tolkien. I didn't mm-hmm. I didn't really realize that. Mm-hmm. And they were both really strong Christians. And so I think just kind of reading some of their stuff, and you can go on the C.S. Lewis Institute website, and there's there's tons of articles and book recommendations, and to just I feel like it gives a it, it, it's not pointing into any particular church or, I guess, yeah. dogma belief, but it just gives you, if you really want, like, kind of a foundational, like, okay, what are the foundations? I would look to the C.S. Lewis Institute, and I would start going through the Bible with Tara Lee Cobble and just kind of start learning the Bible story, which I just love. Yeah, it also comes in a book, by the way. I have the book, so because I like to do it first thing in the morning and uh I listen to everything else, but for for the Bible recap, there also is a book too. Have yeah. either of y'all done the Bible Project? Have y'all used that for anything? Yes, mm-hmm. and actually, that's a good. I recommend that because I do, it's in um, Tara Lee recommends that when we start a new book of the Bible. To, so good. Uh, the Bible Project has done a short little video on YouTube, like you can put in any book, like Genesis or Ruth or james or john and the bible recap will, or the bible project will do again like a five or ten minute overview and it's really good and it's like oh this is what this book is about so i love going and and watching their videos on on the different books of the bible what about the chosen them. have we talked about that have you 
have you watched The Chosen, Jolene? I haven't. Have you guys watched it? You guys haven't? Mm-mm. Oh, I thought this was probably a stupid question because I, Mm-mm. yeah, I, it's so good. Yeah, I highly recommend The Chosen. I know that was a lot one of for me. Have. I just, I haven't yet. And not from a, like, I want to get historical facts. I mean, historical facts and, yeah, the Bible, right? But, like, in a, if you think about, like, that kind of, like, somatic knowing, just, and and seeing kind of through God's people how he works, like, it, it's, it's, it's powerful. I, yeah, I mean, I can relate to so many of the women in the story and picture Jesus, how he would respond to me in my life based on how it's being portrayed there. And so while maybe they take some liberties with some things, I think it's a beautiful representation of, um, yeah, what I didn't experientially know before, before quitting alcohol and finding Jesus. And there's historical fiction books too. Have you guys read Francine Rivers' books? Mm-mm. No, uh-uh. I'm working my way through her one of her trilogies. It's called The Mark of the Lion. And so it takes place in Jerusalem, like in 75, I, I don't know, like 25 years after Jesus was there. And it's a historical fiction, but it's this story of like to really, like, it's like, it's like, oh, I feel like I'm there in that time period. And so mm. she writes a lot of Christian historical fiction. Um, Good now. Yeah. Love what that. was the what was the okay i know we have to wrap but like what was your there were so many great things about israel right i mean the and it just continues to feed me i went back in march and oh it was so powerful what, like what is the one top top thing that you got to experience there well first of all like you israel was never on my bucket list like i never would have considered and i was mm-hmm. kind of like why i had no concept of the middle east until I went there. So it was amazing to go. Um, ah, there's so much. I mean, Old, I City, Old City Jerusalem's incredible. So mm. the actual site where the cross went into the ground, the crucifixion site, and then the burial site of Jesus, as, which is now an Orthodox church, like there's a church built over. That was really powerful. And walking the, the streets in Old City Jerusalem, the, you know, the path to the cross. And then see, before we even did that, like the there was the kind of the cave indoor where the Roman soldiers held Jesus and beat him before even taking him to the cross. And what was really powerful is on the floor, it's still there, like this old Roman game, they would roll the dice and it's where they held all prisoners, not just Jesus. And they'd be like, okay, so are we gonna beat the prisoner today? Are we gonna whip wherever the dice land? That was really powerful to be in that Roman prison where Jesus was. And again, it's like, oh, come on, how do we know that he was, I mean, the carbon dating, the archaeology, the, the, or like the history. There, there's a book called The Case for Christ where, mm-hmm. like, the evidence is strong. This isn't just, and I didn't know that. I, I just thought it's just kind of a tall tale. But, and then being there physically. So the old city of Jerusalem was really impactful to me. The other place that was really powerful was Caesarea Philippi. And you went there too, right? Yes. But, yeah. So that was really impactful just because of my history of the spiritual but not religious. And it's the site where it's the gates to Hades. It's the gate to hell where they had all the idol worship. And and Jesus stood right there with the disciples and he said, "Who? what do you call me? Who do you say that I am? Because I will defeat this. Like this won't stand. And so to physically see that cave 
it's dark. It's that impacted me a lot. But I loved it all. I we went to the Beatitudes um, site. We were on the Sea of Galilee. We were at the Dead Sea. We um, went to Bethlehem and you know the Mount of Olives, Garden of Gethsemane. Like it was, it was all just incredible. It's it's life changing. Yeah. I agree. Oh, I love that. I can't wait to We're go back. Going I, back, right? I'm coming I next thought, time. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was a one and done. So then it was never on my bucket list. And then I go and and before I go, I'm like, hey, it's a one and done. You know, you go and you see it and you're like, okay, great. And and then it does continue to feed you. Like, I, I'm so shocked how I can... You know, even when we're just taking communion and I can, you know, I'm back to sitting at the garden tomb where we did receive communion and we walked into the empty tomb and so, like, you know, it, it continues to feed in a way. But um, but I'm like, no, no, I've got to go back. There's so much more. Yeah, there's That's so much more I to feel. do. That's how I feel. Yeah. And it just makes just the story so much more powerful because, I mean, it seems like every story now we read, we're reading something in church about like Joppa and we went to Joppa right outside Tel Aviv. And there's, you know, there's a lot of stories from there, places where Paul went and it's like, oh, these, you know, and they talk about the gates of old city Jerusalem. It's like, I know what they're talking about. Like I was right there at that gate. And so it's really powerful that it's like, it's, it's accurate how they yeah. describe these historical places when you stand right there on the site and read from the Bible. It's like, this is powerful. This is really, really powerful. I'm a skeptic of all the things and I keep, I keep finding ways to like this can't be real and yet uh, yeah it just... i am too i'm a questioner i'm a yeah. rebel i'm a you know that's why it's like i keep saying some of the language doesn't i'm like what does this mean like i mm -hmm. have to really, i need the practical experiential and i've been able to find that the last two years with this and that's why it's been really powerful and i've completely changed course all right, mm -hmm. and we're going to bring this home with this, Christy. I promise we're going to wrap with this. Um, I just thought of this. It's the same. It's the same way with the freedom from alcohol journey, where we are like the things that make us uncomfortable. Those are opportunities to get curious. Like, so don't ignore the things that make us, you know, uncomfortable about it. Like, okay, like, oh, I don't know about whatever it is related to freedom from alcohol. We do the same thing. We get, we open to it, get curious about it. You can always go back to doing it the other way, right? Or whatever. It's the same thing with this. Like so many of the things that the language that I was so averse to, like you're talking about Jolene, like if we get curious about where our discomfort is, one of the things for me was like fearing the Lord, fearing the Lord, like that kind of made me uncomfortable. I'm like, I, I was averse to that. And now through curiosity and digging into that and talking to trusted others who can help me, you know, help explain that. I'm like, oh, that's why that, that's what fear is. It's not this, because it it was something that I was bumping up against in me and something that had this opportunity to be kind of reframed, healed, recommissioned, re regenerated in a sense. And inviting the Lord into that is, I mean, just there's, there's no better, more exciting way to, to experience peace from things that yeah that maybe we were uh, closed off to before or under understanding that comes with it so yeah. I, I think tara lee describes the fear as awe and respect like kind mm -hmm. of the, the translation yeah and i get that like there's so much awe and so much i mean god is so big and so like we just we can't even our human brain so much awe so much respect and what i would say if people who are like 
oh geez, with this conversation, mm-hmm. hopefully, hopefully they've lasted this long. <laughs> <If they're- laughs> yeah. Um, what I, and because this is what I do. Instead of, like I said, what, there was somebody on Instagram that I was watching. And I'm like, did they just completely lose their mind right mm-hmm. in front of me? Like, really, did they have a psychotic break? I would say instead of blocking and shutting it down, follow some, because I do that. And I'm like, okay, I really want to see, like, how ridiculous this is. Like, I really want to, like, what are they really re- watching and looking at? And I'll do that. And I would say to those listening, like, do it. Like, it's, it, this isn't a, a not evangelizing. Follow yeah. some of the threats, follow, listen to some others. And, and just, it's just the somatic thing. And then notice, just notice, just because that's what I did. Like the more I kind of listen, the more I, it, it's, it's hard to turn away like the, how solid this is. So, it, and, and when I, when I think something's ridiculous, I like to follow it to prove how ridiculous it is. Yes, I get but, that. But the more I followed this, the more I was like, oh, I get it. I, mm. Maybe these people aren't ridiculous. So I would challenge people to do that. If you think this is ridiculous, and I've gone off the deep end. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Follow, follow some, some threads and some links and see for yourself. Do That's right. You still, you still may think it's ridiculous, but, you ha- but have the experiential experience of it first. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so we good. will link all of the things that we mentioned in the show notes. And Jolene, we're just so, so grateful and so blessed that you were able to come and chat with us twice. And just thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so thank much. Thank you guys for having, you know, offering the platform. And I'm just like so thrilled to meet you both and know that you're walking this path. Yeah, we're in it together. Oh my gosh, I love it. It's so exciting. It's fun to find our alcohol-free like posse, but it's to really bring in the most important part. Uh, Yeah, it's to walk with other sisters is incredible. It's the most nourishing community that I've found. (laughs) 100%. I love it. I love it. Mm, Right, ladies. see See you next Monday. Bye. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for joining us again this week. You can find all of our episodes at butjesusdrankwine.com and make sure you follow us over on the gram at Love Life Sober with Christy and Mead at I'm Not Sober, I'm Free. To learn more about what we do, you can visit our websites at meadhollandshirley.com and lovelifesober.com. Take a screenshot of this podcast and share it with a friend or two. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't have to worry about missing a single episode. And if you love what we're doing, please leave us a review on Apple or Spotify. This helps more women who are feeling stuck and alone in the overdrinking cycle to find hope and encouragement. Thanks, ladies. We so appreciate you. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.